Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Milnick and Eddie Wilson. Avengers Infinity War. Now, nothing will ever be the same. Can anyone make sense out of all that's happened? These guys are going to try. Peter Melnick, local newspaper production associate, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York morning radio broadcast announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, inundated with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. What happens next? Listen up, true believers. It's time for another episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Hi, everybody. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's podcast, I want to tell you about Carfax. No, no, no. What I want to tell you about is how you can get a hold of us on social media. Go on Facebook.com slash The Marvelists. And give us a like-ski on there. Go on the Twitter at The Marvelists. And follow myself at Peter Melnick. I don't know why I was expecting you to continue that part, but... Nah. And I know you're not on the Twitter machines, although there's going to be two episodes worth of you saying that, and then one final one where you go, I'm not using it anymore, Peter. Stop that. Stop that. Stop it now. But also follow us on Instagram at... The Marvelists. Exactly. Exactly, Eddie. You can also drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelous at gmail.com. And Eddie, you can also give us questions, comments, strongly worded letters. We'll read them. We'll answer them. We hope we will. We'll be confused as we read them because, you know, <laughs> a picture of a negligee. And I'm just like, no, no. How dare you? I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. And this is our biggest episode to date, so I'm a stuttering mess during this. It's a, it's a been a while. It's been a while. But, Eddie, we are also available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. And speaking of Stitcher Radio, Eddie, yes. when, you, when you go on Stitcher.com slash premium and use that promo code at checkout, Marvelists. That is correct. We will help you get one, count them, one free month of Stitcher Premium. Or one month free. Exactly. One month free. And when you do that, you're able to listen to a crap ton of content, including stuff from Smodcast, from WTF with Mark Marin, as well as stuff from Airwolf. And Eddie, when I say stuff, oh, you can just listen to that anytime. No, this is premium stuff. Stuff that's not available in the regular RSS, iTunes, podcasting feeds. So you can listen to stuff that is pretty damn neat. Such as the Weird Al Yankovic Concert Library from this past year and Wolverine the Long Night available from Marvel themselves. So Eddie, what is that promo code that you use at checkout at stitcher.com slash premium? It's marvelous. I don't even know what I'm doing. You're doing an oldie. It's a wipeout. You're doing a doo-wop thing. Yeah, maybe. Of course, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That's the usual. That's the usual thing they should do. But this episode, we're going to Hulk out because this is our heaping helping of Hulk episode. The whole lot of Hulk. Whole lot of Hulk. Mm -hmm. And we started with the guy who was the personification of what the Hulk was. Lou Ferrigno featuring two interviews. And there's some repeating questions, but whatever, where we took place at Eternal Con 2018 in Long Island, New York, as well as Terrificon 
in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Casino. And Eddie, I'm pretty sure you're happy with how those turned out. Yeah, I did not, and like everybody else, hear the Eternal Con Ferrigno interview, but repeated questions be damned. They were worth going again because you did Eternal without myself being able to go, but... Uh, you, moi. He, meaning Mr. Ferrigno, I thought, you know, being able to talk to him for this one at Terrificon was simply great, if not incredible. Hey, I like that. Thanks. It's almost rampaging. But I almost, but I did not get to see Henry Winkler. You did not. At, at Terrificon. I watched Henry Winkler walk away in the morning, and the, the, surprisingly, the sad Hulk music didn't play for him. I mean, he's not the Hulk. I get it. You're Happy not going to get, no. Maybe we could have heard, you know, as like Henry's walking away, we hear the instrumental of Happy Days, the end credits music start playing. Yeah, no. It didn't, and then he just starts like turning around in circles, like the the uh, record. <laughs> wow! <laughs> no, he, he's you know, Mr. Winkler, Mr. Winkler. <laughs> Which way are you going? Okay, but no. Also, we got a equally important guest on this show for today's episode. Eddie, you do the honors of who he is. It's a setup that. Happened um, it's somewhat by accident, and what it just came down to was we have a Hulk, the immortal Hulk Hogan, most popular, <laughs> the most recent incarnation of the Incredible Hulk to date, to date as of 2012, Mark Ruffalo, and yeah. If you go on our Facebook, you'll see the photos from the interview as well as on our Instagram at the Marvelous. You'll be able to. See that this happened, and yeah, you he doesn't do many podcasts in terms of you know Marvel related, so this is pretty damn cool, and we are eternally thankful for both Mark as well as Mark's assistant for getting this done. We are again, much like the con I went to in June, eternally grateful. Mm. Eternal con, a hey, mm. that was oh. a terrible setup to that line. I tried. I tried, Eddie. Yes. I mean, it just makes me angry. It just makes me green with anger. Well, that's what it's all about today. But before we get into the actual interviews, we want to talk about the Hulk for a little bit, as well as Carfax.com. When you go to Carfax... No. Sorry. I, wow. I, you getting well, can, a separate uh, thing? I don't know about endorsement, maybe? No, no, no. I, I, I just learned from a Not wise me. man of how to terribly do segues. <laughs> no. What we get to talk about is the character of the Hulk and, you know, created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Hulk is one of the most memorable characters in comic book history. And he's the he's an example of a character that many people will argue about, you know, in terms of strength, in terms of personality. And it's it's cool to see people go to the level of well I think this character would lose to the Hulk. He the Hulk the Hulk is the best. The best. I'm Carol Channing. You're gonna you're gonna need another microphone if you keep spitting on it like that. This is true. I mean I, I spit dope fire onto the microphone, but I also I also spit disgusting spit. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty gross. Nothing worse than tobacco. I, I, I'm not a chewer, Eddie. Okay, that's good. I would never do that. I have self-respect for myself, Eddie. But Awkward silence. Yeah. What was your first introduction to the character of the incredible, the rampaging, the immortal, 
the totally awesome Hulk. So many versions, so little time. My, my introduction to the Hulk, I think, was probably when I was about 10 years old with the Marvel superheroes featuring the Incredible Hulk comic book title. I mentioned this, I think, on a previous podcast. I think it was issue number 61. It just is in my brain where he's charging at the Mandarin, and the Mandarin is pointing his clenched fist with all the rings on his fingers. You know, Ten Rings Hath the Mandarin is the title of the cover, title of the inside story. Of course, Marvel superheroes featuring the Incredible Hulk, a reprint of an original Incredible Hulk title, and I forget what number that that is from, but I think that was pretty much my first comic book experience. Uh, introduction to him and I was I was in you know as of as of that as of that time for myself I'd go with maybe the animated adventures of the Hulk in like the mid 90s when they had an animated series in like 1996 I really wasn't that exposed to the character actually I take that back my first ever exposure to the Hulk was this comic an issue of uh, the amazing Spider-Man Drawn by Mark Bagley, former guest of the show. By the way, going to pick up that name I just dropped. Hey, hey. it's really. It, oh, I got to clean it off. It fell on. It fell on the floor. There we go. Oh. Good. Anyway, but no, it was an issue. And on the cover, you see the Incredible Hulk standing behind Spider-Man, like about to beat the ever-living bejeebus out of him. And it's like a yellow background or whatever. But it's just it's a fond memory for yeah. me. Oh, absolutely. And on that note, the animated series that I remember was the 1967 series that followed Spider-Man and the others that that came out also. And to my knowledge, only the Spider-Man animated series is something you could actually purchase on DVD that came out in a six-disc, five or six-disc box set. The others are still not really put down on solid, you know, burned into discs it's it's all bootleg stuff yeah kind of thing which i did get at you know another show another time no you you somehow stumbled upon it eddie you didn't purchase this whatsoever you didn't purchase bootleg material eddie stumble it was in case anyone is listening eddie just like he he tripped on a rock and oh my goodness gracious a bootleg dvd submariner was here and so was thor and so was iron man i should take this and dispose of this by putting it into my collection there we go give it a nice home and well, you get a nice home before you literally set it on fire because that's bootleg material and that's oh. copyrights, copyright infringement, Eddie. Yikes! But no, I I think honestly the main reason those have never been released is because of the quality of them. Just the animation is very wonky, very not so good. You know? Yeah, but you know it's part of people's childhood. I get that. And so why somebody wouldn't? literally capitalize on that to make a buck i don't know it it can be tied up in rights and you know that kind of thing but let he use without sin cast the first stone for anybody who's not made a transgression of that sort or otherwise there are worse things in this world it's interesting too because the guy who plays bruce banner on the marvel superheroes animated series from the 1960s that guy would go on to become peter parker Spider-Man in the animated series and even would appear in the Incredible Hulk movie. Many of the Hulk movies, for example, the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie with Ed Norton. And he play, I believe he played the role of the pizza shop owner. He's in that. He's in that. Yeah. I have to look for him again now. Yeah. And it's, it's cool to see. Once again, by the way, just a little mini thing. Marvel's respect they show towards people like Paul. 
where it's, hey, you did something for us years and years ago. Let's pay it forward and help the people out who paved the way for these characters, you know? Yeah, exactly. Paul, by the way, is who we're talking about. Paul Souls, S-O-L-E-S. Correct. Very nice man. Got to meet him, got to get an autograph on the insert for the Spider-Man 67 collection. His son, Jonathan, who maybe down the road we uh, get a chance to talk to. That's cool. And some some interesting stuff, because Paul Souls was in his 30s, I believe his son told me, 35-ish, when he did do this uh, voice work. I always find it funny, he when you hear the Peter Parker voice that Paul Souls does, I feel like he's a little too old at that point to play that role. Because when you, when you think of a gangly teenager, Spider-Man, you don't think of a deep voice like this, like Paul had. Well, if you recall, when watching the animated Spider-Man series, there are different tonalities of Peter Parker versus Spider-Man. Yeah. Peter Parker's got a higher-pitched voice, and Spider-Man's got, a, got that deeper, so, sort of gruffer voice. Plus, you're trying to imagine how it would sound like with a mask covering your face, yeah. your mouth, etc. Yeah. But there, so there is a there is a difference. And for you, that's your animated introduction to the character. Mine was the one from 1996, which, to be honest, I have not touched back on in decades. I've wanted to give it a try again. As a matter of fact, I totally tripped and fell the other day and actually came across a Blu-ray collection of you know Spider-Man the Animated Series from 1994, and I'm eventually just going to you know set it on fire, you know a bonfire, spider bonfire. Here we go. But before I do, I'm probably going to watch every single episode and, you know, recount it. And that's the cool thing about 90s Marvel in terms of their television series. Many of them still hold up very well. And they're pretty, like, you know, X-Men, the animated series. Yeah, the animation isn't perfect. It's kind of wonky. And then you have Spider-Man 94, which, let's face it, it's still damn fine. It was even written by Jerry Conway, Spider-Man writer. So yeah, there you go. To do that, that's impressive. I, I see, because I, I did see a little bit of that X-Men animated series from the 90s and can understand the wonky factor that you're saying. And and maybe it's in part of the writing, part of the way they're making the characters move the animation itself. But it was the 90s, but it wasn't the same kind of wonky as in the 60s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, big difference there. And the 90s was really where I was out, had gotten away from anything animated, comic book or, or whatever, because come 93 or so, I was out of the collecting for for a number of years so that's a gap so to speak i just feel doing these characters in the animated series from the 90s was great because it helped yeah the comics are a big seller in the 90s comics sold like hotcakes and i know hotcakes don't sell very well anymore because well at a pancake breakfast they're the number one item that is true well i mean Man, I've gone to so many pancake breakfasts just waiting for a steak dinner, and I don't get them. It does not happen. No. I'm disappointed. Uh, yeah. I just think bringing these characters into animated series at that time made these characters stand out a lot more for people like myself growing up, you know? Yes, absolutely. It supported and perhaps got you interested in the comic books themselves. If you if you came in and been introduced by that medium, the comic book part, and then you know found the TV animated stuff, or vice versa, just another way to to hook you in. And of course, growing up, you know, I never got to experience it. But flipping the roles, you around my age, you know, like when I'm maybe twelve, thirteen. When you were twelve, thirteen, 
you were probably watching the 1970s Incredible Hulk series, correct? No question, no question. I and was, absolutely. You got to see the late, great Bill Bixby play the role of Bruce Banner and even watch today's guest, Lou Ferrigno, as the Hulk. Yeah. What was it like the moment you discovered that show for the first time? Well, besides the obvious incredible, great, awesome. Um, totally awesome. Just Immortal. something that, like, wow, they made a show from a comic book. Like, okay, I think just prior to that was the one and done Spider-Man movie with Nicholas Hammond. And, okay, for what it was worth, they did what they could with it. The previous Spider-Man, to me, TV-wise, outside of an animated thing, was on the PBS show The Electric Company. And you would have, actually, non-speaking parts. They would always be thought or spoken word bubbles that would pop up with these little adventures that he would have. Now, that might be something to search out and stumble over and find by accident, of course, if that even is, is a thing, like the Electric Company series on a DVD set that somebody's produced and it contains the Spider-Man adventure, you know, vignettes and whatnot. Um, but no, that was something I watched with my brother, the Incredible Hulk. I think at the same time as, you know, the Dukes of Hazard was on within that same week, once a week. Eddie, were you were rocking the, back. Were you rocking the Daisy Dukes? I was loving the Daisy Dukes. Not rocking 12, them, though, right? 12, 13? No, no. Good. No, no, no. But, yeah, Catherine Bach was all that. Mm-hmm. And the proverbial bag of chips? Well, you know, before there was even a saying. Eddie, when you would go to the supermarket, did you once buy an entire thing, and then right before the register was finished, you know, cashed out, did you take a bag of chips and go, oh, all that and this? No. Shout out to former guest of the show, Patricio Rabio, for that slam dunk of a joke. Slam is more like it. It is. It's slammed I face first so into sorry. the ground. Ouch, that's got to hurt. That's going to leave a mark. And the Incredible Hulk show with Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby, it's a cool concept. And a lot of people at the time didn't even know that the Incredible Hulk was a comic book. I Some believe of these it. People. Sure. No, absolutely. And... It is the almost bastardization of comics. Like, it's treated as a quote-unquote juvenile thing. So it's that's that's for kids. You, you pay no attention to this. But this, this is a television show. What's the source material? This. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, too, because you look at how comics are now. They proudly proclaim this is from a comic book. Absolutely, sure. Although there are a lot of people who don't know where you can get comic books, which is kind of funny. It's a bookstore or a comic book shop. One of the two. Yeah, no, I actually ran into somebody recently who was not familiar with when I mentioned Mark Ruffalo's name. But you, when you mentioned the Hulk, and then they knew. Then I said, yo, he's the one who played in the more recent the Avengers. And it, oh, okay, yeah. So, you know, and so that's that's fine. There, there's all kinds of people out there. Yeah, people of different shapes, sizes, yes, hair colors. Hey, more so than now than ever. I mean, geez, I think they even have translucent hair now. Um, sure, absolutely. And you know, Jack Colvin, another good supporting character actor, who like Bill Bixby has passed on, and the role of Jack McGee, the reporter that is just continuing to trail the Hulk. And get that big story for the National Register that's going to, you know, put him on the map or in the, on the journal. With Ogdenville map. and North Haverbrook. Yeah, I just, 
Yeah, and it's interesting too that that I noticed that they changed up a little bit of the actual name of 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 Banner, whereas the comic book had him Robert Bruce Banner, I believe. In the TV show, it was David Bruce. Banner. If I remember correctly, the reason they changed the name was because, according to both Stan Lee and Lou Ferrigno, I'm taking this from the Wikipedia page, it was changed because CBS, the network bringing the show to life thought the name Bruce sounded too gayish a rationale that Ferrigno thought was the most absurd ridiculous thing he had ever heard and also they thought the name of Dr. Bruce Banner too much like a comic book name and they wanted to change that drift away from it being a comic book show it's interesting that uh, rationalization of that line of thinking I know it's another one of those names that has the first letter in each name Bruce Banner Peter, Peter Parker, Parker right, Green Goblin the whole Bruce Wayne but the Wayne starts with a B oh boy really really Okay, I had to go there. And it's, again, to go with the whole, we want to distance this away from comic books. We want this to be its own thing. We don't want people to think that's this juvenile medium. Look at the movie Blade, which turns 20 this year. Mm. Nobody I know, for the most part, knew that Blade was a comic book character. Sure, they probably just thought... This is a cool movie. From the Yep. And to do that, I, I do feel... It's a bit unfair to these characters to, to, you know, to take this cool concept. It's a comic book. Oh, oh I, I don't know if I can like that. No, it's, it's an art form. Much like, you know, genres of music, they're art forms. Much like genres of movies, they're an art form. Much like types of art, they're an art form. Yeah, obviously. Podcasting is an art form. Or soon to be. It is. On its way. On home sweet home, an up and comer. I don't even know why I wanted to reference my future gold. <laughs> but to be able to take the character of the Hulk and bring him to life on CBS was a cool thing. And what I want to know is, do you think that that run of the Incredible Hulk, the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, do you believe that? It is the major, major, major reason why we know of the Hulk today. I do think so. I think it opened the door, which is actually pretty much, I'm paraphrasing. Really, Eddie, you could say it smashed the door. It smashed the door to smithereenies that Mark Ruffalo, in the interview we'll hear. Later on, yes. Had even uh, given credit to. I did open by, by saying, no offense to Lou Ferrigno, or no dissing him, but we had, you know, I introduced him as the incredible Mark Ruffalo, and he, he thanked Lou Ferrigno for opening the door, for paving the way for this to happen, this Smashing character. Smashing through the door. That's right. Small sounds like a song. I believe now is the time to listen to both the Eternal Con and Terrificon interviews that we've conducted with the great, the legendary, the incredible Lou Ferrigno. Right now we are at Eternal Con 2018 in Long Island, New York. And at this moment, I am joined with an icon in pop culture history, Lou Ferrigno. Lou, how's it going today? Pretty good. It's been insane this morning. It's quiet down now, but people here are just fantastic. You know, from Brooklyn, I enjoy meeting uh, a lot of my peers, friends, and uh, celebrities, too. Now, what got you into building, bodybuilding when you were growing up? Well, as a kid, I had a severe hearing loss, and I had a severe speech impediment, and I was very introverted as a child. I was quoted a lot. 
do I used to read a lot of comics, I would just spy about uh, about power. And I could read the comic book that was like a real life world committee. Then I discovered bodybuilding and weight training that changed my life and I realized my platform could survive. Now, in the 1970s, you ended up getting onto the television show The Incredible Hulk. How did that come about? Well, I was training for the 1977 uh, Mitchell Olympia competition. But then six weeks before, I received a phone call. They had an audition for The Hulk. As a matter of fact, we had to reshoot the pilot because the actor that was playing The Hulk was Richard Keogh, the big guy. He didn't set the part. So I went down for the screen test, and the next day it was like history. With the character of The Incredible Hulk, what are some of the personality traits that you see in yourself? All my anger and demons my whole life. Would you say that you got to channel some of those elements into the performance oh, and it helped? Definitely, because I was a Hulk my whole life, you know, being bully, being abused and everything. I used all those uh, tools and, uh, and emotion. Now, obviously over the years we've seen different personifications of the Hulk and they go into the CGI element. Would you say, though, the importance of having a physical Hulk is more important than CGI? Oh, definitely, because the human Hulk, there's no comparison, because this series had a like laser controlling method about life itself, but the CGI is on the big screen, and it's not real, but even though I, I do the voice, so that's what they wanted the big screen, because so much GI, but I think it's going to come around eventually back to the old-fashioned way. What is that, what is that uh, like with the voice acting part, uh, portion? It's not easy, it's hard because they won't tell me the whole story element, so I had to improvise with the lines and the dialogue to give feeling to the home. Now, my other question in regards to that is, who is your favorite version of the Hulk on screen, both television and film? Well, TV, because at that time, it is too. I like the fast-paced feature film. It's more difficult because you have to drive and have more time. With, out of the three Hulks in, on the big screen, uh, Eric Bana, uh, Ed Norton, and Mark Ruffalo, who is your personal favorite of those three? Well, they're all good actors, but... Uh, but my favorite actor here is Bill Bixby, but when you look at Ruffalo, he's wonderful because he shows a lot of sensitivity. What's a story you would like to see down the line with the Incredible Hulk on the big screen? I think more of, uh, more of basically maybe where he really came from. Maybe like, uh, because now they have the Planet Hulk, they have the Red Hulk. I would say more it had to do maybe uh, more in relationship with people. Not just running, disappearing, but like, like in the last one, they show him. I would like, I would like the comic book side. I like much more of the relationship with people. Now, one of your co-stars in the movie, I Love You Man, actually went on to become Ant-Man, Paul Rudd. What was it like seeing him play that role? Perfect, definitely. Now, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media, Facebook, Twitter, stuff they like that? They go on my Facebook and Twitter, like Luke Rickner on Facebook. That's the one with the check mark and everything. Check it out, but my Facebook is 2.6 million now. Very cool, very yeah. cool. Lou, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, it's been a pleasure. Hey, it's Eddie Wilson here with Peter Melnick of The Marvelous, welcoming to Terrificon 2018, Lou Ferrigno. Lou, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. The most challenging thing after all these years, I'm guessing, from when you did the show, was the makeup. All the hours, all the sitting still. Oh, yeah. The makeup took like three and a half hours to put on. I had to endure and be remaked up, retouch all day long, and now and have to take off. You're talking about 12 to 14 hours a day. Yeah, eight hours is nothing compared to what you had to go exactly. through, I'm so sure. Exactly. You're going to you have to hurry up and wait. I would imagine if you did it nowadays, it would maybe take a little less time with the way yeah, maybe the makeup is better now. They had to spray. In yes. those days, they had a ball of clay, they had to rub it in, but the face took like an hour and a half because they had to glue the appliances on, 
as they had to use grease makeup. Exactly, right. Any other besides the makeup would you have remembered as being the most challenging aspects of, of well, doing the Well, I did a movie called Bigato. They cut the scene out, but I played the devil. That was uh, eight hours of makeup. So it really comes down to that. Because lines you didn't necessarily have. You had the same line, let's say, in, in The Incredible Hulk. Well, much. different lines because it's a great scene playing the piano, but they decided to replace the scene with Elizabeth Hurley in a bathing suit. Ah, uh, okay, okay, with respect to that. Right, uh, right, okay. What, if you can recall, was the best thing that you found out about being the Hulk? The best scene? The best thing. Best thing? Yeah, um, the most positive thing. That, that made me the most, uh, so be loved by every nationality in the world. No question. Are you able to talk about anything that you're either doing now or what's coming up? Yeah, I got a movie coming out called Enter the Fire. It's, it's like uh, kind of like a karate kid. I play the role of like Marty Cole. I play the mafiosa. Then I did a comedy of Game of Thrones called Purge of Thrones. I guess spoof of Game of Thrones. That'll be our next time up. Excellent. Great. Thank you for all that. Thank Peter. you. Now, Lou, in the 1980s, you actually made an appearance on the television program Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. As someone whose sense of morals and whatnot was predicated by the wisdom of Fred Rogers. What was it like interacting with that guy? Well, it was great because when I was a kid, I used to watch the show. And they said one day he's going to come on this set. He wanted to interview me. So I felt very uh, honored because uh, the way he talked to children, very soft-spoken. And I did a wonderful episode with him. And I realized it's one of the most watched TV episodes in the history of television. It's very memorable to me, especially because you're seeing this larger-than-life figure also meet another larger-than-life figure uh-huh. in pop culture. And I also want to know, what is it like knowing your co-star from the movie I Love You, Man is now part of the Marvel Universe and going on doing big and technically small things? I think it's great because both people think he's just an actor doing comedy, but he's a, he's a wonderful actor. And, uh, and we talked about working together again, but I love the guy. He's such, uh, he's such a charm to work with. Now, in regards to the Marvel Universe, one of the things, I had actually talked to you at Eternal Con in Long Island, and we, you and I had briefly discussed about the issue of, with Marvel, with the scripts, of how tight they keep things. Tell us, how close-knit do they keep those scripts? Well, when, for example, I did the dialogue for the Hulk, they would just tell me the dialogue. They wouldn't tell me, uh, it'd be a brief uh, synopsis about this scene, but they would tell me about, about the film itself, so it was very secretive. Now, in regards to the live-action portrayals of the character, what do you think of Mark Ruffalo's interpretation? I, I think uh, he's a wonderful actor like the other two, but I'm disappointed with the Hulk portrait and the Affinity Award. I mean, uh, you need to see more of him. You'll take it serious like the other two. Now, Lou, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? LouFerrico.com or Facebook.com. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, too. Now, once again, big thank you to Lou Ferrigno for doing our show. And... A big thank you for the impact he had on the character, because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the guy that we're about to play the interview we conducted in a little bit. But we have a lot of people to thank for leading towards Mark's run as the Hulk. We have Eric Bana and we have Ed Norton, who both played the role. And it can be a quote unquote, your mileage may vary kind of thing. Some people like them, some people don't. There are a number of people who really enjoyed Ed Norton's run as the Hulk, for example, the one movie. Yeah, a short run. But it was a sprint. But Or a few leaps. That's all he needed. (laughs) See, this is where you're better at this than I will ever be. You know he can, with his jump, you know, to to the 2003 Ang Lee Incredible Hulk, when he jumped, 
he can jump for a half a mile. That's straight out of the comic book. That's what he did. CGI be damned or whatever. And they did that part well in, in that movie's defense. And when you saw those movies for the first time, how did you feel about them in regards to how they got the character? They got the character pretty well. I'm, you know, usually like ranking the Marvel movies throughout the cinematic universe being being kind of lenient and and uh, nice about it. There were some discrepancies, just like at the very beginning with the first Spider-Man movie, things that were not straight out of the comic, but you, you want to accept or had to kind of accept what was being done with the, with the Hulk movie, with the Eric Bana version, by by his father, Nick Nolte, giving him a series of, of chemicals or injections. Father of the Hulk, and Nick Nolte. I, I'm sorry, that's just the greatest That's sense. just, you know, yeah, and him turning into uh, an absorbing man character himself and just, you know, they really went out on a limb there to try and make it somehow work, but uh, didn't quite succeed all all that well. But when they did, you did see that Hulk character, maybe larger than life, but I thought it was pretty spot on. It He was just a big, enormous rage monster that was the epitome of all the opposite emotions and like a Jekyll and Hyde story, if you had to describe for somebody who had no clue as to what this story is about, if you go with a Jekyll and Hyde, if you kind of go with a Frankenstein-ish scenario, you know, but the Jekyll and Hyde, I think, is more more apt. But I think a pretty good representation of the Hulk in that in that 2003 movie, like I said. Absolutely. With what he, with what he could do, tear the top of a tank off and hurl it away, you know, jump up into the sky and, and take a copter, helicopter out of the air. Absolutely. That's something where you see this character and just the level of what can he do next? What can he do to top what he did before? Yeah, or what are they going to yeah put him through and where does this story go? And I mean, Marvel literally threw him now in Marvel Studios, threw him into space because why the hell not? And it led to, honestly, one of my favorite stories with the Hulk. You know, their adaptation loose adaptation of Planet Hulk and World War Hulk. Yeah. And to see the battle, not just between Hulk and Thor, but also Hulk and Banner. Yeah. To see those come to play on the big screen, I found it to be awesome. And again, to keep using that word over and over, incredible. Yeah. It suits. And I will continue. I actually said this to Mark before we did the interview when I saw his portrayal of Banner in Thor Ragnarok, I don't know why, but it reminded me of Larry David a little bit from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Just the whole neuroticness of the character and just second guessing. It was just a funny portrayal of the character, but it worked. I'll he, go along with you on that. Not really having seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, but uh, getting a very little bit of an idea of that character, then I'd say, yeah. Yeah, just the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Because that's what a character is going to deal with in moments like that. Just awkward. I think what that brought out also on a little other note is that you got a little more of seeing how Banner did not remember what was done, what was happening while he was the Hulk. Yeah. You know, and that is true to form to the comic book, not knowing what happened when one personality took over. Nobody's asking Hulk when he he was Banner. Well, what did you do when you last time you were, you know, not really. You know, the the big difference that really goes back to the Lou Ferrigno TV show is no speaking. In the comic book, you had broken sentences. 
phrases that pieced together some form of sentence and you understood thoughts that the Hulk was expressing and so on. You know, you had to have that, I feel, in the comic book. But in the TV show, just a lot of growling and grunting and and, and that kind of thing. And then Maybe, they pumped up the intellect. Yeah, and facial expressions that kind of understood. Or a lot of times, of course, when he was about to transform again, it looked like he was getting a headache. He put his head up to his hands. Yeah. Hulk, right, he got head headache. Up to his head. Yeah. Hulk head hurt. You know, Hulk sit. I would say it's cool to see the progression of the actors playing Banner because, and I'm not just saying this because we sat with the man. I feel out of all the actors, Mark Ruffalo got the character of the Hulk. And, you know, we have you to partially thank for that, Eddie, when you really think about it with that book. With the incredible guide, yes, the the DK publishing <laughs> table coffee table book. That through just a coincidental, you know, series of events, my and Mark Ruffalo's wives met. Well, that is mentioned during the interview, so don't don't bury the lead, Eddie. Yeah, that's kind of how that all came to be. But uh, yeah, it's a nice coincidence, a happy coincidence. Happy little accidents, Um, to quote the late, great Bob Ross. And with Mark's portrayal... I feel he's gotten down the whole nervousness that we really don't see other portrayals of the Hulk do, if we're being honest. I I like the nervousness because he doesn't know what could set him off, and he's always on edge. Yes. And in turn, that ends up making him become the Hulk much easier. I think, Yeah, and you know, even, you know, you go along with, this is just a stray thought, I'm kind of creeping in here, that towards the end of the first Avengers movie, where... Banner is about to face the giant monster towards the end that came down from space and and what, what do you call it says to him shouldn't you be you know turning getting angry and he said I'm always angry and then he instantly transforms that's taking a liberty because it's not how it happened yeah. it is never how it happened in the TV show really never how it happened in the comic book extreme stress anxiety I mean I guess maybe yes it's building within him he's feeling that because this behemoth is coming at him what's he going to do uh even when ed norton's character tosses himself out of the helicopter and we're going to hope that he's going to transform i mean eddie when you watch the 1970s 1980s incredible hulk here are from kenneth johnson.us slash hulkoutlist.html some examples of how banner turned into the hulk kicking over a beehive and then being surprised when the bees are mad at him Beaten up and locked in a car trunk, locked in a drunk tank with a crazy person who insists he is Ernest Hemingway and then beats the stuffing out of David, buried in cement by the mob, being showered with electrical sparks because Jack McGee has spotted him and is running after him shouting, hey, John Doe. Oh, yeah, (laughs) it's right. And just all these goofy ways that this character becomes this. And I actually, I feel that version, the MCU version of the Hulk is better in that sense because it's a quick one, two, three, boom, right there. Yeah. And like I said, the jitteriness of, it could happen, it could happen. I'm like, I don't want to be the Hulk. Oh, crap, I'm turning green. Boom. You know? I like, I like that any time it can happen in, you know, instance. And how much of a difference if you just think for a second in, again, the first Avengers movie when he was trying not to be, and with the scene with Black Widow, they fell through one floor of the helicarrier to a, to a subfloor, but he gradually does, of course, he has no choice, he, he transforms to the more recent Infinity War where he can't, 
he's trying come on let's go he's having a you know a dual personality conflict and he can't transform it's you've gone from one end of the spectrum to the other and would you say that details like that are important no question they are they're in there for a reason to at some point be noticed and maybe not right away but eventually you'll pick up things as you keep looking at it whatever the scene is and and realize hey you know that must be what that meant or so on yeah so that's what that feels like and not just saying his pants have a tinge of purple yeah like the comic book okay they did that on purpose he's got an army green shirt oh wow okay now i think it's about time we introduce our hulk and main event ladies and gentlemen our interview with the incredible mark ruffalo all right, so, Eddie, how are you doing today? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, comic book fans of all ages, from an undisclosed location in New York State, <laughs> we have a Hulk. <laughs> and with no disrespect to Lou Ferrigno, welcome to the incredible Mark Ruffalo. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it only just pleasure. begins to, to cover it. Thank you so much. And thank you, Lou Ferrigno, for, we, for opening the door for us all. Oh, yeah. Ferrigno <laughs> and Bixby. Setting the foundation. Yes, and Bill Bixby. And we have to thank yep, you first and foremost hero. because, you know, just by, by the first movie in 2012, you're, you're always angry. So why would you even <laughs> think to do? I love the way that this whole thing came together. Purely by accident, happenstance, just random meeting. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. It's just so excellent. So How did it happen? Let's get over the... Uh, Ooh, ah, moments and, and get on with the, what we want to talk about. Um, of course, Dr. Bruce Banner, the Hulk, in the uh, Marvel Studios films beginning in 2012 with the Avengers. How did that come to you, that role? If you um, well, luckily, um, Joss Whedon was casting it, um, and it was the one part that I think he, he, he was bringing he was casting everyone else had already been doing the movies ed had uh they that wasn't going any anywhere forward um norton. With, with ed norton mm-hmm. so the spot opened up and i think robert downey uh, also put in a good word for me nice um that zodiac connection yeah it was a zodiac connection and yeah and joss came to me and he said listen i want you to play bruce banner and hulk and i wanted to um I want to depart from the other movies and really make you guys look a lot alike. So I really want you to do all the CGI. We have the technology now where we could really use your face and really, you know, make the monster look like Banner. And I said, you got the wrong guy. I think uh, Joaquin would be much better in this part than me. Joaquin was in consideration? <laughs> no, not, at that, not, oh. not, not, not yet at that. But I, but I was thought, I don't know if I'm the right person for this. Uh, Are you a, a comic book fan to begin with? Oh yeah, and and um, I loved uh, I loved the Incredible Hulk. I, that was one of my favorite TV shows as a as a kid, and I I read all the comics too. So any other uh, favorites come to mind? Or well, my other favorite is uh, is Wolverine and X Men. That was uh, you know the Frank uh, Frank Miller days. Oh, with Frank, Chris Claremont. Yeah, when he just showed up and. Uh, his girlfriend at the time was pen- was doing all the coloring. Oh, uh, Lynn, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, Lynn. Yep. And I got to meet them, and, and Frank gave me a signed copy of uh, Wolverine. Oh, and that's awesome. The only two people that I ever thought I could ever would would love to play would be, you know, Banner, Hulk, and, and Wolverine. 
Well, I have to ask, speaking of Wolverine, with Disney's, I guess, upcoming or it's done, we don't know. It's kind of like the Mandarin, right? Where's the Mandarin? Yeah. Well, not that. <laughs> here or not here. Line. But what's happening right now is we're going to be getting eventually added into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Fantastic Four, Deadpool, the X-Men. Yeah. Who would you like to see interact with your character, like in the future? Um... Well, of course, there's always the Banner uh, Black Widow combo, which I, I think's always a good combination. But um, it'd be cool to see. I mean, people talk a lot about uh, Wolverine and Hulk uh, hooking up. I think that'd be a, a really great. I mean, if combo. anything, <laughs> that would be your character <laughs> was charts. the introduction of Wolverine. So yeah, just saying. Yeah, just saying, right? And I love you and. Uh, it would be cool to do something with him if he's up up to doing it. He's always teased that, you know, Hulk versus Wolverine would be pretty fun. I want to see you get your hands on Ryan Reynolds. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> that would be great, too. That would be a, what a, that'd be a really unlikely pairing, but I think really funny and really great. Preparing for this initial role. Yeah. What kind of research? How did you... I mean, it sounds like you had a background of the reading of the comics, but... Yeah. Um, I wanted, you know, there was a few things I, I, I thought it was a particularly tough nut to crack because the problem with, you know, Banner is that you're watching a guy not wanting to do the exact thing that you want him to do, you know, as the Hulk out. And so how, you know, and he could come off as a little dour and he could come off as a little, you know, unhappy and i and i and i thought it'd be i thought having some humor having him have a sense of humor would be really important i mean i went back and watched with my son we binge watched the, the box set of uh, the incredible hulk and i went back to the comics and um the marvel wiki which is amazing um, oh yeah and you know got back into some of the mythology of him and but for the most of that was me and Joss just kind of sitting down and trying to reintroduce this character in a way that would be compelling to people to see because it had already been done so many times before. And um, the other thing was, um, what would the Hulk be like? You know, if 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 if, if we we're going to be using CGI and I was going to be able to play the character, like what what physicalization would be appropriate for him? And that became a big thing that Joss and I were working on a lot. And we were working with the animators as well. Which is probably something I don't think, at least up until this point, you had had to do. No, I Any never had anything to do. I never did anything like that. And at that point, you, they did the um, facial recognition was separate from the uh, from the body movement. Oh, yeah. And so Good it was process. a totally different, I mean, the technology's come so far now. And just wait till you see the next one, because what we're able to do with the technology is mind-blowing. I think that's going to probably be the last thing we ask is what's, what's ahead. I think this helped you. If you recognize this yes, I do. book. Yes, <laughs> the incredible guide <laughs> to the incredible Hulk. And so we're connected inside. from from 2011. Oh, Eddie, I signed this for you. Where it, was it all this? coming back now? Yes. Well, our wives met in a different circumstance, in a different situation. Yeah. And the discussion must have come up about this movie and, and so on. And so yes, I passed I on the book this. from my wife to your wife to you. And yes, I remember. And there you go. And here we are. Yeah, this is amazing. It's kind of come full circle. So uh, I thought I'd I have a copy throw of that this on you. Particular poster. 
Oh yeah, it's such a great poster with the grayish Jack when Kirby. it first started. Yeah. yeah, when they couldn't get the color green. Back in the old days when Hulk was actually gray because they couldn't make color green in comic books. That's just a little tidbit for you folks out there. It's another little. We got a bunch of them. Um, <laughs> wow, that's on. amazing, man. <laughs> it's cool. So we've kind of known each other since <laughs> yeah, 2011. We, we have. <laughs> Good to finally meet you. And it's come you. full circle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who'd have thought? By accident. Gamma radiation accident. Never mind. Possible. That's going back to that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Tangents. That's the beginning. I'll go off. and The origin. <laughs> Exactly. Man of the Monster. Your first Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. When, where, how, what was your impression? So they were negotiating my deal the night before I was supposed to fly to Comic-Con. And, um, it, you know, there was a lot going on with Marvel at that time. I didn't know that I was... We, we, I didn't know that I had the part. And my agent basically said, listen, go to bed now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get up at at four in the morning. Look out your window. If there's a if there's a limo there waiting for you, you you're 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 going to Comic Con. If not, go back to bed. We're sorry, it didn't work out. <laughs> and you said you expect me to sleep. I was like, yeah, right. I'll be, yeah, I'm not going to be sleeping tonight. And lo and behold, like at three thirty, I heard a car drive up, and um, I wasn't sleeping. And I ran out and I saw that and I knew, you know, that, and then I knew I was flying to uh, to San Diego secretly. Mm. And so they sent me to San Diego and it was a private plane. So so nobody knew, you know, I couldn't be tracked. Nobody knew. Everyone thought that uh, they, that Ed, Ed was going to be doing it, I think. Oh, wow. Or they didn't, they weren't sure. There was a lot of speculation and conjecture going around on the internet, as it tends to to do. And the idea was is that Robert Downey Jr. would introduce the new member of would introduce Bruce Banner. Everyone is being called to stage. Yeah. And the, and so Robert Downey Jr. in his inimitable way says, "And now reprising the role of the Hulk." <laughs> And everyone heard reprising, and of course they thought it was, it was Ed. Ed. And I came out. It was literally like, yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the oh, whatever three thousand people literally scream, stop in the middle of their scream, and go, huh? And wow. then I walked out. Have you ever talked to Ed afterwards after your performance? Like, did he give you any comments about it? Feedback? No, actually, um, we, we never really have talked about it. I was just kind of like, is this okay? And he's like, man, all's fair in love and war. And, and Hulk. And, and yeah, <laughs> and, and Planet Hulk and, um, so, and World War Hulk. And so, um, yeah, he, he never gave me any feedback. With Infinity War, you were directed by the Russo brothers, and with the first two Avengers movies, you were directed by Joss Whedon. Yeah. What is the difference between their directing styles, all three guys? Well, Joss is much more um, kind of into the intri- intricacies of it, you know. The Russos, you know, we worked a lot on the script together, and so which was a little bit different than Josh. Joss pretty much did the script completely on his own, and we would get, you know, the pages, but it, there wasn't a lot of back and forth. There was in the beginning, but once he was on his way... He was pretty much knew what he wanted. The Russos really were like, hey, you know this part better than us at this point. So we really want your feedback. We want your even, 
you know, improvisations when we get on set. I mean, we, we'd be in the middle of a scene and Joe would be scream, yelling lines in to try in the middle of a scene. And so it was a lot, it was a lot looser, I guess, with the Russos. I mean, we're like herding cats as a group. It's literally <laughs> like trying to round up a group of kindergartners or something because, first of all, we're having the time of our lives. We all love each other. We, everyone's goofing off. And so it's not easy to get us all moving in the same direction uh, together. That's the thing I've noticed about the Marvel dynamic. It's very fun and just happy. Like, what is, what is it that you all love about it? Well, the camaraderie, I mean, you know, we're actors. We, we were mostly alone in the world, you know. Rarely ever do you get to do something. I, I say this is like shooting a television series where you shoot one episode every three years and you get paid twice the amount. <laughs> but uh, wow. it's really a great gig. Uh, but, you know, as actors, you, you really live like this carny life. And you, a lot of times you never work with the same people. I mean, you're always, each job's a whole new family that you're making. So the fact that we've been together for as long as we have, people have raised families they've had kids that you know there's just an ease we know each other really well we've been through really stressful times and really special rarefied times together we're all really grateful for the work there's not an asshole in the bunch everyone's you know fun and willing there's no ego it's it's just other than you know the healthy ego yeah yeah it's the perfect job and and kevin has kevin and the whole team over there lou esposito lou desposito and jeremy latrim back in the day and and brad they really have created this wonderful kind of loving familial space for us all i've noticed that especially for example it's a recurring meme on the internet, but it's the time you, you know, you walk right behind Paul Rudd and he goes, is that Paul Rudd? And just that look you make, it's priceless. I love it. Yeah. So it wasn't an imposition. It was real. Okay. <laughs> but how much fun was it to specifically doing the reversal in Infinity War, wearing the Hulkbuster suit, whereas previously you were getting the crap kicked out of you or in contention with, with Tony in the suit and everything. How yeah. how did it feel to be in the Hulkbuster? Doing it that way and, you know, and mouthing off and saying, yeah, we got this. Come on, guys. You know, whatever. Even if Hulk's not coming out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we went back and forth a lot on like how to end the movie with Banner and do we do we repeat the the Hulk coming at the last minute or or do we try something new do we and I think at that point we were all thirsting to have Banner be his own hero for once uh-huh yeah and you know there's that there's a conflict brewing between Banner and 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 Hulk you know that that's uh, that's been going on since oh. the beginning you yeah, know no question and it all came out of sort of this question that Joss Whedon asked me when when Hulk sort of gets the fairy dust from Scarlet Witch sprinkled on him mm. in um, in Avengers Two, Joss asked, "What is Hulk afraid of?" And that was a hard thing for me to to, to answer mm. because yeah. what is what is the strongest, fiercest thing in the universe afraid of? What could he possibly? And I realized it's Banner. The only thing Hulk is afraid of is Banner. Yes, that is correct. And so that's become something that we've been riffing on since Avengers 2. Mm -hmm. We played with it a lot in, in Ragnarok. And it continues to be be to be uh, teased out in Infinity War 1 and Infinity War 2. So would you say then that maybe some of that playing around with it and so on, the development of 
the Hulk being literate versus just growling all the time. Yeah. You know, from a first Avengers, just puny God to a lot of roaring and growling in, in Age of in Ultron. Two, yeah. And then really becoming a conversationalist practically in Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that's noticeable. And, yes. and where, maybe where, maybe the question is where would you like to see that the Hulk character go and possibly do? Not become gray again and be Mister Fix It. Yeah. With Wolverine teaming up, he right. looked good in a suit though. Just he so. yeah. I bet so. Yeah, he looked great in a suit. Well, I can't really talk about it as because what I want because I've had so much a hand in 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 where it's all going. Mm-hmm. I'm in my own little hand. Not that I have little hands. They're, they're decent sized. <laughs> they're decent sized, right? Thinking the little hand of I swear, let's compare. I'm, I don't have little hands. <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, the little hand of Black Widow saying, you know, big guy, the sun's getting low. <laughs> yeah, he's got some big hands. But I uh, I will say that, um, I mean, I, I want to see this conflict, like, carried out and, and, and see where that takes us and see, you know, can they come to terms with it you know do do they ever get a moment where they're i always thought it'd be great to see the two of them in in some sort of um subspace where where they get to battle it out with banner's brains as a as a its own superpower like some psych psych weaponry and Mm -hmm. uh or psi weaponry against hulk's brute strength you know and and have these two characters battle it out i always thought that would be like that is definitely sci-fi that would be the ultimate comic book ending or or you know or just something the next, the next opening step. opening to the to these characters you know or at least getting to the part where it could coexist i think too of the the what if comic book where it's what if the hulk had bruce banner's brain yeah we're so kind of there and or past and moving on to other things yeah. now it's the i mean i guess it's i guess it's it's source material now for well, they've done it in the comics. They, the yeah. professor, you know, they've okay. they've they've actually melded the two of them together, you know, in 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 Marvel, in one of one of the comics. I mean, there's there's so many. There's an infinite ways you can go with mm-hmm. it, you know. And then the beauty is, is we can change it and at, at any point, you know. That's yeah. that's the beauty of these comics. That's the beauty of what Kevin has has created with letting each director have his own vision and idea and and twist it and turn it and bring people back to life or not bring them back yeah, to we life. We would like or, vision back. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just want Star-Lord. I love vision back. He wants, want, he's I'm, all about Star-Lord. I mean, yes. you've seen my tattoo. Oh, work, yeah. So. Uh, I saying. know. I know. We lost some good ones um, I just last two, round. That's, yeah. That's, well, half, you know. Yeah. I just have two more things that I had noted to ask, and uh, we may have touched on one of them already. What would be some of the most either highlights or, you know, as in upbeat and or challenging parts of doing this role for this long, for this period of time? Honestly, for me, it's always been, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing two characters, and the motion capture has always been really hard for me. And and I you know it's just it's just it's kind of an imperfect technology because I've been mostly by myself, and I'm an actor who likes to play with other people. You know, I really like to play off of them and respond to them, and so sometimes I feel like the motion capture could be a little frustrating. Mm. In the past, the way people have dealt with motion capture has been to throw you in the second unit, and through my work with Terry Notary and 
and some of the other people who are doing amazing things with motion capture, Andy Circus in particular, we've all sort of banded together and like are insisting that motion capture, a motion capture character is seen as production, as as first team, not not being thrown off to second unit, but in first unit. And getting the, getting people to think of it in those terms have been have been difficult at times. But um, I think everyone's open to it. It's just it's just a whole nother level of technology that you're bringing into uh, filmmaking that is completely new. Yeah. And and it's just burgeoning. It's like just at the the smallest part of its of its of its birth right now. And there's so much to do with it, and so much further to go. Mm-hmm. And the technology is at a place now where I can actually perform on stage as the Hulk, interacting with other characters, and and basically have watch playback as the Hulk, you know, right there in front of me. And then where you can go with that is by with 3D goggles, you, you know, I can see myself as a Hulk, you know, I can see my hands as the Hulk. I can, there's, there's so much, there's so much to do. Yeah. And that's always been a struggle and a challenge because it's, it's limited in some ways. It's also at the same time completely unlimited. Whatever you can imagine, you can be now. I could be a, a flea on the ass of God, you know, and I could play that character now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn. You can't unsee that one that's... now. But, no, that that's absolutely true. And then with that in mind, hopefully then, because I know when you first had come on, it, it had been said, publicized, that you were on for six films, and we're, of course, hoping that that's going to continue beyond yeah, I that, don't know. You know yeah. <laughs> I'd have no, I have no idea. Do you know what your timetable is from now to we see the film what well uh, we're doing reshoots starting in september okay and yeah and then um we'll go through back into the international you know big uh, go on tour tour yeah we go on tour it's not just the late night talk shows (laughs) punk rock tour (laughs) yeah full-on aerosmith tour you know the rolling stones tour uh international tour and and then you guys will get the the second installment yeah which we don't even know what is going to be yet. Like, we're literally going to... We're not just doing reshoots. We're going to finish the, the movie, which we really didn't get to finish mm. totally yeah, when, yeah. We, when we left it last year. Then why should it be no surprise that you don't get to know, besides not being able to tell us at this early juncture, yeah. but it was not surprised that you don't get to know some things because if it wasn't known that you were coming out to be the reimagined, repurposed... Hulk from you know 2012. Then yeah. sure, this is you can't let it all out. No, from the beginning and no. stuff. No, yeah. and that I don't even know that they really know exactly. Some of it is happening while we're, oh yeah, while we're there. You know, it's pretty amazing. And and we'll shoot some stuff, and a few days later come back and reshoot it because we want to take it in another direction. Right. So it's a very uh, it's a very living organism, uh, even as even as we approach it. You know, being a locked picture, we're still working on it. It's great. It's great to be able to talk about this and uh, and have you and have you with us. Sure, it's, very, it's just very cool. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's absolutely insane, though, just how close knit everything is. Like where I've heard, like a lot of the actors didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Well, we were getting dumb. We were getting dummy scripts. That no, that was that that blew my mind because I was awesome. like, you have to really go out of your way to give everyone a script that isn't quite what's <laughs> gonna happen. You know. 
And then everyone lived happily ever after at the yeah, end of Infinity yeah. no, War. I mean, there's crazy side things that you're like, how, what, what is this scene? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. There's, and, and so um, some of us, I don't even think, knew what we were watching until, until we were actually watching it. Yeah, they kept Tom Holland like completely in the dark so he wouldn't well, say you anything. Have to. Yeah, Tom especially. <laughs> or me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I thought of when you mentioned, the, you know, not knowing getting a dummy script, and then I thought the Tom Holland script for his next one. So before we go, Mark, yeah, I know you're on your social media sabbatical right now. Yes, I am. But I'm working on some stuff actually. When you do make your return, your triumphant return, how can people get a hold of you on there? Well, I don't know how I'm going to come back exactly. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. I recommend capes. Just wear like a cape. That's your re-entrance uh, uh, into it. Oh yeah, that would be it could cool. Work. Yeah, capes are cool. Um, a Fortnite cape. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe not red and blue. It's used, overused. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Let's do something new. Some How about kind, a green, kind, green, kind of green and purple? Yeah, I like your thinking. Now we're yeah. talking. Maybe yeah. just like throw in like a splash of gray in some spots. Yeah, just so a like little that. bit. Just, to, just as an homage to the beginning. Of Sounds it all. like a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Any more questions, Ed? I'm sure there could be, but I did one page and I stopped right there. <laughs> what about you, kiddo? I'm tapped out. You are? Mm-hmm. All right. Mark, it was a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Thank Sorry you. Sorry that, that I didn't... Uh, Greatly appreciate it, Mark. Re- had to reschedule. Lots of Sorry continued success. That. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was nice talking to you guys. That was fun. Once again, major, 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 major thank you to Mark Ruffalo for doing the show, as well as Mark's assistant for helping set this up, and... Yeah, that 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 was something that happened, and I still can't believe that happened. Yeah, it was um, something where I don't know if we discussed it on on that actual interview, but it looked like it was going to happen, and then within twenty four hours, something quote unmovable had had put a monkey wrench in the works to where it was going to be a telephone interview, and that was starting to come together, and then in another happenstance meeting with. You, Peter, and Mark, it turned into, okay, yeah, we can do this again in person. So a secondary date was set up, and there you have it. It's happening, but it's not happening. It's happening, but it's not happening. It's complicated. complicated. (laughs) Avril Lavigne. You've got me doing that in my everyday life now, and I don't know how that makes me feel. Yeah, I don't know how to process that. Well, think of Avril Lavigne. Life's like this. Oh, man. Complicated. Yes, that's right. I love Advil Lasagna, her song Skateboard. <laughs> how, about, how, about, how about History of the World Part 1? With the, with, Jews with, in space. Oh, with the king saying to the, to the girl, you know, wear something, don't wear anything complicated. I am quite a philosopher. Here we go. A bullshit artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mark actually mentioned, we asked him about his social media. If he ever decides to return from his social media sabbatical, follow him on Twitter at Mark Ruffalo. Simple and to the point. I imagine it, you, you, that would be the, the way to go, yeah. So now let's talk about how people can find us on social media, Eddie. Okay, Peter. Go on Facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Give us a like on there and join the many, many people. Because I'm not even going to give a number anymore for this because it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. That is good. And we love each and every one of you for it. You can also find us collectively on Twitter at... The Marvelists. And you can find myself on Twitter at Peter Melnick. Also, check the show out on Instagram at The Marvelous. You can find myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick and yourself, Eddie9193. I think I figured out why that strange configuration of numbers came together. 
Because you just like it. No, no. Because in 91 was when I took my radio job here in Sullivan County, upstate New York. And in 93 was when I met my wife. See, that is adorable. Hell heart, yeah. Heart emoji. Times two. Not five? Jeez, uh, Eddie. No, it's coming up on 20 this year, actually. But anyway. So one for 10 years each. Okay, then, yeah. Hey. I'll, bug you if, I'll bug you for the 50th in 30 years. With a spider tracer. Exactly. <laughs> also, you can find this show on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe. And be sure to check us out on Stitcher Radio, available for all iOS and Android devices. And guess what? What? Stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And get one free month of Stitcher Premium, where you're going to be able to listen to a crap ton. That's that's a measurable weight, by the way. It doesn't crap stink ton. either. Just a mild odor. Ugh. Mild. But a crap ton of content, including the WTF archives with Mark Marin, the Earwolf podcast archive as well as smodcast oh and there's even more stuff that's not podcasts oh. you can listen to the weird al yankovic concert archive from his most recent tour and yeah it's a podcast as well but wolverine the long night the serialized podcast radio drama thingy i like cereal in the morning for breakfast oh it's just delicious i mean i'm a big fan of of cereal and Red Bull. It really wakes you up in the morning. Yikes. Just pour it in there. No. Tastes terrible. I mean, as of this recording, August 29th, we also have the ability to get Frankenberry, Booberry, and of course... Count Chocula. So, remember, go to stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And you'll get one free month. And after that one free month is over, if you want to keep on keeping on with it, it's four ninety nine a month. So, for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! Rawr! That was my Hulk, Eddie. Yeah.